Welcome 2209. Today is September 29th. This is Michael Scott. I'm here with Angie Bonetta, Lavinia Harrison, Dave Wise, and we have a special guest, Brant Driscoll. How are you doing today, Brant? Excellent. How are you guys? Oh, not bad. We're hanging in there. Yep. Early morning for me. Yes. So. <laughs> The weather changed. It's a little bit chilly yeah, yeah, fall on this is Tuesday. here, isn't it? Yes. Um, pretty rainy last night. But all right, Brant. So you're here to talk to us about your position, which is uh, ergo rep. What actual title? Uh, the the exact title is joint ergonomic technician. Okay. Uh, part of the joint ergonomic technician team or jets, but basically ergo rep. Okay. And that is, I guess, what is the precedent for that job to be created? Under document seven of the national agreement and amendment of the doc uh, that establishes the ergonomic representation and what our guidelines are, what our job is. And then there's training that establishes how we do it. Okay. And that type of thing. Okay. How long have you worked at uh, Fort Wayne Assembly? I have been here since uh, 2006. I spent a little over a year and a few months, I think it was, as a temporary employee. Mm -hmm. I got hired on uh, 101507 with the agreement, and I've been here ever since. This is my only plant. That's uh, not too common, actually. (laughs) It's really not. We get so many people like, yeah, my first plant, my second plant. Right, (laughs) right. Yeah, my first, second, and third, and all the above are all here. Right, right. (laughs) I know... You used to be my committeeman whenever I was a temp mm-hmm. on second shift frame line. Have you? Mm-hmm. So other than the joint ergonomic technician, right? Is that the correct? Point? Okay. Yeah. So you can just say ergo rep. It's cool. a lot that's, easy. That's, that's what easier. everybody calls us. Here. All right. So uh, other than those two, the mm-hmm. committeeman, have you held any other positions? Yeah. I was an alternate committeeman and a committeeman. Okay. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were my committeeman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was. was. you. Yes. Yes, About she the did. Beard. No, <laughs> love the beard. Uh, being an ergo rep, what would your job description be? I mean, some people have a general idea maybe of what you do, but maybe you could go into that a little more. So our job is to evaluate operations and make sure that they fit within our ergonomic guidelines, which are jointly agreed to by the national parties and they're established for us in trainings and things like that. We do full operation evaluations and it's a whole process getting into kind of the boring aspect of it. We do a risk factor checklist. It's like a 15 page checklist that we do uh, that involves all the different risk factors that we look at. Bending, twisting, repetition, hand movement, just walking surfaces, all kinds of different things. We also have secondary tools that we call them. They're computer programs, a lifting guide, and above torso guide, things like that, that would give us more uh, evaluation to those items. And if a job basically breaks those guidelines, then we open it for correction, which means the plant or it might be a parts uh, distributor, they owe us a correction. Would it be possible for us to do like a little, like a hypothetical, like say I'm working somewhere in trim and I feel that my job is violating one of the ergo guidelines. So I guess what would even the first step be? Would I tell my boss that I needed to get somebody down there from ergo or would I put a health and safety call in? Don't, don't put a health and safety call in because that's a whole subset. That's a whole different section. You'd okay. be yeah. talking to one of the safety guys in that regard. Okay. And it would go into the committeeman first. And so it wouldn't, it wouldn't actually be ergonomics. Okay. Uh, the be- one of the best ways is just to ask your group leader for an ergo call. 
there's a couple different ways they do it because we don't have like an official call screen, right? Uh, like committeemen or safety. So they could put a committee call in with the ergo subtitle, okay. in which case the committeeman will give us a call. Or a lot of times they just straight email us. So we just take the email and come out and see you. Okay. So, so doesn't go into like, because I know like I just went for my elbow. Mm-hmm. So like don't when you go in there, you fill out a paper for ergo also, if it's something that, that might be with a problem with the job. Correct. So okay. you I went in. I just know in, I filled out a paper. Right, yeah. right, right. So you went in and you did a uh, QRP, which is the name. Everything's an acronym, right? Right. Mm-hmm. You went in and to medical and fill out your QRP. Now we check that as an ergo team uh, weekly with medical in one of our programs on the computer. And we evaluate, look through jobs that might have an ergo flag on them. Okay. Then we'll go out and see you without a call. That's actually the majority of our job. The calls are actually quite a lot less than the actual QRP process. Okay. You guys respond more to, if you're seeing, is it medical that attaches that flag onto a case or is it you guys see that there's kind of a pattern going on with maybe a specific job? It would have to do with how you fill out the QRP. We we actually evaluate them. Uh, medical sometimes calls something not ergo, and we believe it probably is. Okay. And we would rather evaluate it and make that judgment call. Right. Because if we go out and say, hey, what happened? And you're like, hey, I banged my elbow. Right. That's not really ergonomics for us. That's an acute injury. That's fine. Right. It's better for us to check over some of those things. Right. But yeah, we don't, we just kind of, it's checks and balances, I guess, between medical and and our department. Okay. Once I have that call in, uh, you come out and respond, I guess, then what, what is the next step and how you answer the call and whether you guys decide if you're going to implement anything on the job or not? So, when I would come out and talk to you, that would be the first thing I would do is talk to you. Right. Okay. And discuss, you know, what, what are your concerns? What's your pain? What, so I can kind of see, um, kind of pinpoint what your specific issue is. Okay. Um, if you can't identify that, like you just say, I don't know. And you know, elbow pain, but you're not sure why. Right. I, part of my evaluation, I'm going to step back and I'm just going to look at the whole operation and I'm going to mentally go over this. I've done the checklist a lot. And so my counterparts, you, you mentally know what it is. So you'll go over it and evaluate. And if we find something, if we find that it's all within ergo guidelines, Mm -hmm. like there's no violation, we might recommend some, some continuous improvement changes, or maybe that you put a CR in to make certain changes if we don't have a violation, we can't force a change. We right. can ask for a lot. Right. But as we all kind of know, management's very unwilling to make a change if we're not forcing them. Right. So if we find a violation, then we would just simply open the job up in our database, alert whomever owns the uh, the item. If it's something that's plant controllable, we would alert floor management, maybe an IE. Okay. If it's a product-related maybe quality engineers okay. or their subset, they might be able to make a change to the part or whatever it is that's going wrong. Is there any way that you could go over, like not all the guidelines, but like maybe a few things that is a red flag for you guys if you see on the job or not? Or is that not something you want to um, go into? I couldn't. It would be hard to go into specifics. Okay. Um, a lot of them, like here's a great example. I've been asked how much, we are allowed to lift. Okay. 
I can't tell you a defined amount right? because the factors we have to look at are where are you lifting it from, mm-hmm. um, where are you placing it to, how much does it weigh, how frequently are you doing this, how are the grab handles, all that has to factor in. So there's so many variables anytime you look at a specific job. Correct. Okay. And that's why we're very forthcoming with our information, but mm-hmm. when people ask us, how many pushes do I get? How much overhead work do I get? How many lifts can I do? We just can't answer it's that. It's pretty difficult to just say it right there. Right, right. I don't. We don't have just a hard defined number that says, "Boom, you cannot go over this." Okay. There's a few, yep. but it's it's more um, defined by those secondary tools I was talking about okay. earlier. Uh, you said I'm pretty sure earlier, but you said that it's the national parties the establish these ergo guidelines, correct? Correct. It has okay. to be agreed upon or we don't use them. Right. GM has tried to put some different guidelines in place before, and if our side doesn't recognize it, we don't utilize them. Do you guys do anything at a local level, any establishment of that type of thing locally, or is it all done nationally? It's all done nationally. There's a few things that maybe as a group, um, since there's three of us ergo reps on the UAW side and one on GM side, if we feel that maybe a guideline isn't quite tight enough mm. per se, we would maybe agree to have a, a stricter guideline, but we would never agree to have a, a more loose guideline. Say there is a, an item you want to change, you couldn't get it done locally. Is, is there a process for you to have it sent up to negotiation nationally, or is it all they pretty much just handle it on their own and they send the information down? From what I understand, because I am a little newer to the job in that regard, it is something that they agree upon based on science as an improvement. Okay. It would be something you could send up during negotiations. Okay. You know, send up to the national parties that you want this changed or whatever. Now it's not gonna our guidelines aren't spelled out specifically right. in the national agreement, but they would they could possibly change them. So it's not it's not so much that it's um not all of it's open for negotiation. They're, it's based a lot off of science, basically, and what they know. Or That's how a lot of them have been okay. uh, established, is the science behind it. There's parties on both sides, independent parties that do these studies, and they take studies from the University of Michigan. Right. There's been some in Sweden and different things that will they do long-term studies of right. the human body. and say, well, this is how much you can do. Okay. And they break down the guideline for how GM runs. So since we're talking about scientific stuff, (laughs) you guys have like tools. I've seen someone get like a vest on or something one time. Don't you guys have things to evaluate? Or is that? It's It's like that back thing that's supposed to take the... It's supposed to help take like the pressure oh, off your back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, it's supposed that to be. was a um, that was a trial. It's, it's kind of an assist device, almost like it's it's hard to describe it and in can, the in the same purpose of like a hoist. A hoist is meant mm-hmm. for it to assist you in lifting something. This was this device that they're referring to is kind of a um, it was called Levitate. And it's an outside company, and GM was bringing it in to help relieve pain in the shoulders or upper back area when you're working over your chest or over your head. And the idea was that it helped to support your arms while you lift. Like once you lift over a certain height and engage it, it would support your arms. So 
lot of different plants in the GM line were trialing this to see if there was you know, feasibility to it. Mm -hmm. Could we work it here? Uh, we ran into a lot of problems in just that people seemed to like it, but it was kind of a bulky product. And we don't have, a, as you guys can all attest, mm -hmm. we don't have a lot of room to maneuver. Right. So the areas that are overhead, like your area where mm -hmm. you were in, um, you know, after cab set. Because it was like running boards. I seen right. one guy with it and I was like, what are what is going on over there? And it helped, but it really made it difficult when you guys had to do some items closer to the truck mm -hmm. because then the backpack ran into the the line itself. Mm -hmm. So it was really more of a hindrance. And they make other types. The long term thing kind of I kind of got stalled with our you know, just time and then the strike and COVID and everything mm -hmm. else. So I don't know if they're going to pick that back up. We do have assist type devices like that, or they're, they're looking at anyway. I was going to, I remember GM announcing those gloves that are supposed to help like squeeze whenever you're mm -hmm. handling. Do we have those at the plant? We did not. We went to do a trial on them. We did a couple trials when a lot of the feedback was, it was great situationally, Okay, but for the, variation of work we do on a job you didn't always need that that extra grip right when a certain operator i can't remember i think it was uh trim one it was great when they were doing one aspect of their job but oh, only the one okay so the one we really wanted to try it on was glass install mm -hmm. because obviously grip right. on glass mm -hmm. would help quite a bit right we were never able to get the time to trial it okay uh, also at the time the product only had one glove and we were looking at the feasibility of having both hands. Right. But again, that was supposed to be more after the levitate. So it really didn't uh, occur. Okay. And there's like not high tech stuff that you guys can give our members to help with different ergo issues mm -hmm. as well. We have other things. We have some jobs that have tooling mallets when you and i talked the one time on your operation if you don't mind me talking mm, about that's it fine. we found we 3d printed a a cover on her right angle gun that allowed her to flip the backward and forward without twisting her wrist so it's just a thumb movement <laughs> so we can get a little innovative and mm -hmm. try the best we can i mean if if it's a tool somebody will use why not right so. Yeah, because, oh, man, that was amazing. Because it was forward and reverse four times every truck. Like Are you it, serious? Yeah. It was, and before I knew it, like, my hand completely cramped up and I couldn't open it. I, was saying, I, thought I it did was... have carpal tunnel surgery. I'm doing great now. Dang. And I am no longer on that job. <laughs> That's why so it was I'm bad like... enough for me whenever I have a cross thread and I'm like, oh, sh I gotta back this thing up now and yeah where the hell's the button at it's yeah. it was for like ground straps so we were taking a bolt off and putting the ground strap on and putting the bolt on on two oh, different ground strap bolts yeah. and it's like that would be aggravating oh so that was a wow. save yeah oh. but like my job has the mallet but to me to pick that mallet up and then bang 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 you know you got to bang around and Knock the little whatever over the wheel, wheel frame or oh, whatever. Right, right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just to me 
that mallet can just literally stay where it's at because mm-hmm. for every second that I'm reaching for that to walk over to knock it, then to put it down, then to secure, it's just too much. Mm-hmm. I mean, so some jobs it makes sense, but it doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, for some of the ergo stuff. But we get an ergo break. So, you know, you get to relax for about 10 minutes and come back. But that's the only, yeah. I just think that, like, with the mallet, it's too much because you're just... That's why my elbow hurts now, because I'm just hitting it like boom, boom, boom. Mm-hmm. I was punching it, and I got dark, dark, <laughs> uh, just like boom, boom, you know. You know, taking out my aggression, like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that specific one, that's a good example of force. So you were talking about risk factors. I'm forced to insert parts. We have force guidelines that tell you how many, if you use one finger, if you use a hand, if it's two hands at this height, all these different things. That specific part violates our force guideline. And to get it right, they have to make a product change. Right. But the mallet also has to be in place, so they have to do both. Okay. So the mallet, and every time we implement something like that, they have to add time into the operation to do it. The same way if you're using a hoist, they have to allow time for you to use the hoist. This is the same thing. They put a mallet time in there. Okay. And that's that goes to that science. Science has said mm-hmm. if you push this part in, it, it's your risk is significantly higher than if you didn't. Okay. So that's where some that's a good example of another item we deal with. So quick question. With that operation, my job, you know what I'm talking about one mm-hmm. okay. So we also put on the center caps into the tires. So that's another force move, but we don't, we really don't have time mm-hmm. to mallet that. No, you probably <laughs> so don't have a So are we supposed to mallet way. that? Or? No, we did tests. We had a complaint on that on launch. And at that particular time, we did force readings on those. We actually have gauges and maybe some of you have seen if we're out there with gauges. We've actually placed gauges on that, and it was under that specific force. Well, some go on okay, but there's mm-hmm. like this GMC, and it has these little sparkly, like, mm-hmm. you know, like the rim is like sparkly blacks and mm-hmm. stuff. And as soon as you go to put that center cap in, you'd be like, you'd be on a robe, like, uh, uh. so it's like, oh, man, not this again. So you have to concentrate. <laughs> That's the only one I hate is that one mm-hmm. GMC, but I love GMCs, but... Yeah, y'all can have the center caps. And we always encourage to, uh, my counterparts and I, always follow your standardized work and don't do repairs. And kind of like to what you were saying earlier, if you have a bolt, then you got to back it out and do it again. Yeah, right. Probably not your standardized work. So you're adding risk factors. Unnecessarily. Right, unnecessarily. We, we always, when we come out to evaluate, we're evaluating your standardized work. Right. If you're doing it a different way, we're not looking at that. Right. We have to evaluate the standardized work and make changes based on that. For those who may not know, Ergo is implemented to help us not get injured at work. Is that the best way for us to say it? Yes. The best, it was described to me one time as, you know, we do physical jobs. Right. Okay. You're in a pool of sharks. We try to take as many sharks out of the pool as we can. And that's, that's kind of ergo because doing a physical job, even if we get everything within the guidelines, you they're just outside risk. factors yeah, where, still have risk. yeah, you, some people are more prone to an injury. Some people may have pre-existing issues, maybe a shoulder issue. There's, that's the idea is to get, to take as much risk out of 
the operations as we possibly can according to those guidelines. Uh, like someone told me, well, what do you you do the same thing all the time? Why it's not like you're doing construction work? I'm like, I'm doing the same thing, the exact, exact same, same thing. thing. So it's kind of hard to explain to someone, but there are different mm-hmm. risk factors, and that's mm-hmm. why we wanted to get you on the show so mm-hmm. we could explain some of that. And there's like impact gloves and yeah, things we handle, of that nature too. We handle PPE of the padded nature. So we have everything from the shoe insoles. If you're walking on hard surfaces, knee pads, we have some people that in trim shop, the rocker of the truck hits them right in the knee. So that helps them alleviate that. We have side pads, belly pads, chest pads, butt Butt pads. pads. Yeah. (laughs) Elbow, forearm, and a variety of gloves that do everything from impact to gun vibration so we control all of those. I will say we don't do any kind of bracing. Mm-hmm. So if you have a pain or something, you feel like you need a wrist brace, elbow brace, something of that nature, that's via the medical department. But if you need PPE, just mm-hmm. some padded gloves, something of that nature, ask your group leader or team leader. A lot of them have extra out on the floor or they get a hold of us and we can easily bring some to you. And the reason I brought that up is we got some new hires, we got some people that transferred from parts plants and just people that don't know that maybe that's out there Mm -hmm. and available. Like if they're having some issues, especially with us working long hours, Mm -hmm. extra days, oh, we're working. I swear we work all the time. I was just laughing because I remember uh, one of our first one over to door line, I was putting the door pads on and I didn't know that those gloves existed. Mm-mm. You have to smack it on there. Mm. So I did like, I was, it was about an hour I was going and I'm like, I need something. So I let the team leader know. And he's like, oh, I got these gloves for you. And I'm like, can you just give them to me whenever I came on the job? Is that a right? Yeah. The, like hurt first i mean like can we avoid the ache? oh yeah my hand was bruised for a couple days but i mean i'm glad we have that stuff Mm -hmm. and we talked to him about we have a small section in the transfer and the new temp orientation Mm -hmm. where one of us will go to their orientation for about 15 20 minutes and we'll go over kind of what we're talking about here uh, who we are what the process is how to get a hold of us the qrp process and ppe we try to get ahead of it as much as we can in that regard. So telling people that just come in, that helps a lot. Yeah. Since you brought up going into orientation, we've had an incredibly difficult time nailing down <laughs> interviews with Ergo and health and safety, mainly because of a lot of different things going on in the plants. Well, we got uh, local negotiations. We got our re-rate. Mm-hmm. We got a bunch of transfers that have orientation right now. As far as like local negotiations and the re-rate, what can you fill us in on? <laughs> well, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that the re-rate will right. have you running. Yeah. Right. I was sweating. I was like, oh my God, what is this line going faster? And everybody's like, V, we're yeah. up yeah. to full, mm-hmm. full when scale. Did, yeah. I said, well, when the hell did that happen? That's <laughs> what <laughs> so I was just going to ask. When did they actually yeah. change the line? So the people? line rate was progressive. They started out, I believe, in the trim shop in certain areas uh, and then worked their way through the shop so it depended i mean okay. it was different areas went faster at different times and there was no one hey we're we're ramping Not up the whole shop at, at once time. right okay. right right yeah ramping up the whole yep. shop and we're mm-hmm. gonna start running diesels every four or mm-hmm. five. Oh mm-hmm. man it's been yeah it's uh, been fun i'm in paint shop and we're not getting an increase we're just we're switching over to that uh 
straight eight tax relief thing. Right, right. That was like another reason oh. why they've been busy because they were dealing with, you know, all the calls and stuff regarding that over there. That's how well, we were calling so. about on a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this has been kind of a, I mean, you, you kind of asked what we normally do. Right. And that's, I kind of went over what our normal day is. Calls, QRPs, things like that, glove delivery. Right. That's our normal day. You know, stuff like this, it's, it's abnormal. <laughs> we do negotiate as part of the health and safety team. Uh, in our local agreement, part of the ergo items. Uh, so there's subcommittees that we do work on in that regard. And then the re-rate we've been heavily involved in. Um, we've been doing what they call a go and see. So prior to a line being changed, the IEs, other members of management, our UAW safety team and our UAW ergo team will go walk these lines and go over the re-rate elements because our re-rate did put some jobs, of course, prior to the re-rate itself, put them over on some of these ergo guidelines. So that's where oh, okay. if you, the time was obviously a factor, but ergo was another factor. When you started seeing extra jobs on the line, Okay, ergo was an element of that because they couldn't fit everything in the jobs the way they wanted. It would have violated ergo guidelines. Okay, So they have to add operations and move things around. So while no re-rate, launch, anything is perfect. Mm -hmm. This was a good way to get ahead of it. We prevented quite a bit of ill items, if you will. And uh, I mean, like I said, nothing's perfect. So there's still going to be issues out there that we'll find crop up later. Yep. But um, as of right now, it prevented quite a bit. Good. Who are your uh, counterparts for Ergo Rep? Well, I am on second shift. Ken Gick is the first shift ergonomist and Chris Soddy his third shift. Okay. Like you said, we're all kind of hours are flexing a little now to get ahead of this re-rate, but those right. are our normal shifts and what shifts we service. Okay. Does GM have three shifts for ergo no, people? GM, they just have they have one. Colin oh. Gaylord is the GM. Okay. Um ergo rep. Now you know GM employees is not working past five thirty. <laughs> they coming in at eight, they ain't staying past five thirty. Mm-hmm. I was a little just earlier curious. on Fridays too. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> We're pretty proud, I mean, in regards to our representation, because if you look at other facilities that do not have representation for all three shifts, there are a lot of plants, smaller plants, Mm -hmm. that have one ergo rep for the whole facility. Nothing in the assembly range, but some of the smaller ones do. Would you say that your time in the plant on calls is, like, I'm just wondering, is it mostly in GA or like you spend you're at, oh yeah, like as like, opposed to paint yeah. Body. Oh, yeah of course absolutely even probably more than trim because i was gonna ask if there's, there's an apartment in heavy... ga that you're in more often than um, others i would think chassis that's my guess no what? i guess i mean it's all it's all it's all different i mean each shift has different things that are brought up on each shift but mm-hmm. I, for my shift i guess i experience more in trim but trim's also the largest department uh, so it's you know numbers you can't would argue dictate that it's the worst right mm-hmm, right it's hard i mean final line is smaller so what are you gonna right you know it's different types of things too right mm-hmm. so if your frame line is going to have different issues than trim and motor line is going to have different issues than final line correct oh, okay mm-hmm. right you see more prevalent issues in different departments. Right. Just walk us through how to get a hold of you. What's the process? Um, yeah, just go ahead and um, ask your group leader for an ergo rep. 
just say I'd like an ergo call or I'd like to speak to my ergo rep. Like anything, don't be afraid to tell them what it is because if they can fix it before I ever get out there, then so be it. That's their mm-hmm. job, right? That's but the tell same them way. what it is. And same it, with like committee it, calls, if right, you know, right. Paragraph twenty-eight mm-hmm. of the national agreement, as far as committee calls, I mean. That doesn't really necessarily apply to us, but it should in mm-hmm. in that you know, group leaders are out there to facilitate you doing your job. So right. they should be able to help you. And if they can't, I understand that, but at least give me a little something more than ergo call. Right. We have a lot of information at our fingertips and on, on our computer programs. So if they give us a little more information about what your you ergo c- call is, we can come out kind of front loaded to help right. you out. That's one thing with uh, committee calls. Tell him what is ahead of time mm-hmm. so that way he can come out and everything will be already ready to go. We're the same way. If, if, if you wanted an ergo call and it's um, based on you feel like some work that was added to your job created an ergo issue or you're experiencing pain in an elbow because of a, I don't, you know, I don't know, a gun you're using, something like that, then tell your group leader that. And when they put the call in, hopefully they can give me that information and we know when we walk out to talk to you that's what we're looking at right well i think that's all we have we really appreciate you taking the time to come and do this interview Mm -hmm. thing that you wanted to talk about before we let you go the only thing i would tell people just to be preventative right because like i said taking the sharks out of the pool is follow your standardized work uh use the tools that they put on the job and use hoists. If you use, if you go by standardized work and you're using your hoist and you can't keep up or whatever happens, we can always, you know, committeemen us, we can kind of work together to fix things in that regard. But don't ever stop using a safety device right. because you don't have time. Right. You know, because you're just putting, helping put yourself at risk and we don't want that. Right. If your hoist isn't perfect, we can get it changed. Right. But don't just give up on it and don't use it. So a lot of our job is kind of reactionary. As I said, you know, like with V said, you know, go up to medical and then we get it. Well, by then you're already hurt. Right. Or if you have a call in, a lot of times you're already starting to feel pain. But if you do preventative things to step away from that before any of that occurs, that's the biggest help. Because that's what we want. Our right. whole goal here in ergonomics is to have people not be in pain. Right. If the job is showing, like, on each side that it's bothering people's arms, because I noticed, like, on the other side has his opposite arm with the brace thing on. The guy who I curly shuffled to, he left because he had to have carpal tunnel because of the job. So with that being said, what at that point, does that not show that this job has a problem with like the elbows or something like that? Or is that just like we're not being preventive? Because, you know, I understand the standardized, but when you have us, when, when we're using the mallet, we're still swinging, so it doesn't make right. a difference. You're still swinging, so is that like so? Is that in counterproductive that, or? Uh, it depends, I guess. When you look at it, it's like with something like that where, and and we've had that, okay, where we go out and we evaluate jobs and they meet every guideline we have, and they're still hurting people. What I've told people is my guideline doesn't tell you you're in pain or not. It just tells me whether I can force a change. If you say you're hurting, you're hurting. End of story. We try to use other avenues to investigate that type of thing, say where a job that somebody's on we have evaluated and it meets all of our criteria, all of our guidelines, and it's still hurting people. 
we've been trying as a team to force some extra communication on that. Like, what can we do outside of our norm okay. to try to help that out? And with your like what you're saying as far as people, we do examine if somebody does the exact same job on the other side of you and it's a risk factor on one, we evaluate the other too. So it's not just based on the individual. We, we evaluate the job. Yeah, I just noticed like after I went up to medical, the same day I went up, it was like we had his brace on too. I'm like, man, is it because these hours that we're working? Because, you know, some of us are greedy. We might complain about Sunday and Saturday, but we're going to come like me, for instance. But I'm just thinking like maybe it's the excessive hours. Well, our guidelines, believe it or not, are meant to fit within a cycle. So we evaluate a cycle and it does factor in how many times you do it. But that's what we're evaluating is your one cycle and how many times you do it. So the best example I use for that is obviously everybody's well aware of our supersonic line speed here, Mm -hmm. but the Corvette plant uses the same exact tools. Everything they do has to fit within their cycle. It's just that their cycle will allow significantly more but you're also doing it at a such a slow pace. Right. So that that's how we kind of look at it. Well, thanks for coming in. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. No problem. And now let's go to Angie with the current events. Hello, everyone. Just a couple things I don't have a whole lot of information on yet. Veterans Conference is here at the hall on October 8th. October 13th, we have CPR training and first aid training. If you need information about that, call the hall, 260-672-2209. Our next union meeting is October 11th at 11 a.m. Currently, we have the Making Strides for Breast Cancer t-shirt sales going on. Our Texas system is working, so hopefully you all got the text alert um, with how to purchase those. You can do it by credit card online or with cash by seeing your group leader or one of the available people that were listed on that advertisement. Or you can order them at the hall. But shirts will be delivered in three to five days. They're going to be $20 a piece. Also, with Making Strides for Breast Cancer, it's that gift basket raffle time. And I always look forward to buying raffle tickets to all the gift baskets. If you are interested in doing a basket, pick a theme and turn in your basket no later than 1021 of 2020. Raffle tickets will go on sale October 26th. Some of the past ones are gardens of gift cards, uh, Yeti to go, toolbox basket, date night. So look for more information about that. If you're interested in doing the basket, you can contact Rhonda at 260-673-2084 or Cindy at 260-519-5993. Also, we are going to have Trunk or Treat and it will be Saturday, October 4th. 24th from noon to four yes we do work that saturday all right and now we're going to go to lavania with the product of the pod what do you have today lavania so today's product of the pod is gibson guitars um formerly known as gibson guitar corporation and renamed gibson brand inc in june of 2013 the founder was orville gibson who founded the company in October of 1902 in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Gibson guitars are among the most iconic instruments in popular music and fittingly, 
based in the Music City, which is Nashville, founded in Michigan more than a century ago and producing the guitars at factories in Tennessee and Montana. The prices can go well into the thousands for particular um, guitars just on Amazon. The company went through a bankruptcy reorganization in 2018 and began the back to basics approach with good results. Orville was so vain. His earliest known instrument was a 10 string mandolin guitar, which bears the date of 1894. Gibson's mandolins were unlike previous flat back instruments. His company standards were very high and his instruments heavily marketed. And I know all of Gibson guitars are made in the United States, right? Oh yes. All of them. They owe. They own a bunch of subsidiaries, and those aren't necessarily like Epiphone. So the most of them are basically produced out of ten- Tennessee and Montana right now. So, yep, we're going to keep it, keep it strictly American. They have a really Did cool video on YouTube. You can watch other Thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.